You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I talk about my versatility. I talk about my explosiveness, my ability to run whenever I need to get in my top end speed. I ran a 4 through. Um, and then I'd also talk about my intelligence and my processing, being able to diagnose offenses and what schemes they're running by formation and personnel. That was Texans' first pick of the 2018 draft, Stanford Free Safety, Justin Reed. And, yeah, you can take a shot of liquor because the first word he used to describe himself was, of course, versatility, the Texans' buzzword. We're about to talk about the three picks the Texans grabbed in the third round. We've got some sound from Brian Gain and Bill O'Brien, and we'll give our thoughts in today's show. Hello, everybody. I'm Robert Land from the Houston Sports Talk Podcast, alongside my partner and draft guru, Brian Patterson from House of Houston. Welcome to Locked On Texans, your best daily source of Texans news, views, and interviews. We're part of the FanRag Sports Network, and it's showtime. We got some selections. The Texans picks in the third round, Stanford safety, Justin Reed, Mississippi State offensive lineman Martinez Rankin, and Central Florida tight end Jordan Akins. Let's hear what Brian Gain had to say about Justin Reed. What I'll tell you about, about Justin is, number one, the prototypical body type, height, weight, speed for the position. Number two, production. Graded well in terms of production. Number three was the versatility. Uh, interchangeable ability in terms of playing strong safety, free safety, ability to play the run, and the ability to play the pass. So we feel like he's a fully dimensional safety at the position. Well, Brian, I looked at ESPN's list of best players available when the Texans made that pick, and Reed was the number one guy on their board. We've talked about our colleague over at Locked On Chiefs, Ryan Tracy's NFL draft guide. Justin Reed was ranked the 51st best player. The Texans picked at number 68. Not much to hate about that. It looks like they got a great value with that pick. My enthusiasm for Brian Gain was at an all-time high when they made this selection, Brian. You know, the first thing I thought was, uh, why are we going for a safety rather than an offensive lineman or a tight end? But eventually they got those guys uh, as we went later in the draft. But initially I thought that, you know, hey, he's athletic, he's speedy. You know, this is the... You know, theme that Brian Gain is going with, stronger, longer, faster. And uh, he certainly has those measurables. Um, he's right at six foot. He's 207 pounds with 31.6 inch arms and uh, nine and three quarters hands. And um, has a very good chance of being that large member of the uh, Houston Texas secondary. Uh, has a chance uh, to be an NFL starter uh, in the future. I could certainly see him uh, lined up along with Tyron Matthew. Um, you know, as far as Andre Howe, you know, he'll continue, I believe, to blossom. But I think there's something there um, as far as with uh, Reed as well. So that was my initial feeling. Um, he did grade out to with pro football focus an 80.4 overall grade for his career. Um, they had a rank 40th among NFL eligible safeties. So uh, not great. But again, the, the grade is, is pretty solid. And that's that's, um, you know, pretty much all that comes down to. I'm not going to say I'm in love with this pick, but I'm intrigued. I would love to see how this guy uh, would develop. And, um, you know, a lot of the experts are, are saying, you know, they had him, like Lance Airline, he had him up uh, in the first and second round. So 
this may have been a steal according to what he uh, is saying uh, out there. But uh, it's it's one of those guys that you're going to want to monitor. He's certainly a playmaker in every sense of the word. So, um, yeah, I am okay with this pick. I'm not going to say I'm jumping up and down screaming, but, yeah, I'm okay with it. Here's what I like. You know, it seems a unanimous selection that was – the best player available on the board. You, you talked about, well, they didn't get an offensive line and they didn't get a tight end. Well, if you thought that that's how they were going to pick somebody, then you haven't been listening to Brian Gade. He's talking about best player available. He's about getting the guy worrying about the fit later. I mean, I know everybody wants to panic when they don't get exactly the position that you think is the most important position, but I, I didn't think that they were going to look at things that way. I'm glad they're not. I think that's the that's the mentality of a failure uh, as an organization. So I, I think th- this guy being the best player on a lot of people's boards right there is a good thing. He brings pedigree. He's got a brother, NFL safety Eric Reed. He's pretty darn good safety. Uh, of course, in a couple of really strange twists, Justin's brother, Eric Reed, has actually played with Justin's new teammate, Tyron Matthew at LSU. So the Reed family, very familiar with the Honey Badger. Uh, they know each other personally. Of course, the other strange twist is Eric Reed. Yeah, same guy who's most known for taking a knee with Colin Kaepernick in San Francisco. And you know he's going to get asked that question ad nauseum when he comes to Houston. So I'm sure the Texans, uh, I would assume, would have prepared him for that knowing Bob McNair's situation, uh, and, and and I guess they would assume that he's not going to follow in his brother's footsteps. I, I would have to think that's a conversation. He said he talked with the Texans at the Combine. He said he's got family in Houston. He loves Houston. He's really excited to come. All those things are good things. The, the most important thing to me is the Texans are actually putting some value into the safety position. I have beat this drum ad nauseum, Brian, for years and years and years. Why don't the Texans care about the safety position? Well, you go out and you get one of the best safeties on the market and Tyron Matthew, maybe a guy that could be one of the best in the NFL if he could stay healthy for a couple of years straight with the Texans. And then you add a guy in the third round who a lot of people think could be a really good starting safety in the NFL. And, and that buzzword versatility, some of the time, and I'm going to get to that, I'm not so enthused with the Texans' emphasis on versatility because I think it's a double-edged sword. But in this case, the different things that he can do as a safety I think are going to be of value. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm all on board with this pick. I was super excited. I think as we talk more and more, as the picks start coming in, cascading in, in this round, my enthusiasm drops a little bit with each one you know without seeing these guys it's hard to know but just what you hear about them and we're gonna get to that but do you know where i'm coming from on this yes yes i know where you're coming from you 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 are definitely indicating that he has a tremendous upside and you know he meets all of the you know the prerequisites uh, of being a houston texan and again that has kind of changed with brian gain uh at the helm um, so there's there's a lot to look forward to uh, with this type of guy. And, um, you know, I'm just thinking that he was just trying to get someone that uh, just met those particular prerequisites, stronger, longer, faster. Uh, but, you know, 
you can't just a general general manager is not going to ever admit to, to say that they draft based on need at a position. You do have to go out and get that best player available. We haven't always done that, so you know it's good that you brought that up uh, as well. So um, yeah, I definitely going to be on pins and needles watching this guy uh, develop. Not sure how much time he's going to get this season. Um, I would say that he's going to get considerable playing time. And unless we have injuries, I would not see him as a starter. But uh, certainly that is a possibility. Yeah, when you heard him on the phone interview, he was enthusiastic and he was so excited to come to Houston. He's a Stanford kid. Usually Stanford kids are really sharp. So there's a lot of stuff, just basic stuff that kind of fits a lot of things that I like to see. You know, when I hear these guys speak, uh, when I see the tangibles, the intangibles, a lot of the stuff lines up for me. I think this was this going to turn out to be a really good pick. We're going to see. Now, next pick in the third round, we're going to get to in a second. But first, let me remind everybody that if you're enjoying Locked On Texans, and I hope you are, do us a favor, let your friends know. Let them know they can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, all the different podcast apps that you can imagine uh, we're going to keep you company. We're going to keep you rolling as we get towards training camp. That's coming up soon. Uh, we're almost to mini camp and OTAs. We're going to be talking about all of that stuff. And, hey, if you're a fan of this show, record a message for us. Uh, use the voice memo on your phone. Email us. You know, Let us know what you think. You can email a voice memo to LockedOnTexans at mail.com, and we'll certainly use it on the show. Let's get to the second pick in the third round. Offensive tackle Martinez Rankin out of Mississippi State. Or should I say offensive tackle or offensive guard or center? He's played at every offensive line position, and Bryant Gain was asked where he sees Rankin. You see him as an offensive lineman, and hopefully the best five play, where, however that unravels here when, once he gets here. But naturally, he was a starting left tackle in the SEC, so my hope is he'd have the ability to do that. But we also believe that if he has to play guard, right side, left side, wherever we need him, that this guy has the versatility to do that based on the composition of our, of our own roster right now. Okay, I, I want to get to what he just talked about as far as the versatility. He can play all these different positions. He's fit somewhere on the offensive line, yada, yada, yada. I want to get to that. But just real quickly, Brian, according to Ryan Tracy's draft guide, he has the athletic potential to develop into a top offensive tackle if his development and pass protection progresses. Um, and that's a question mark with him, especially if he plays tackle from everything that I read about this guy. Uh, he best fits in a multiple run scheme that will protect him in pass pro with quick, quick throws or chips. So that reminds me a little bit of Deshaun Watson's style of offense, what you're going to be having with Deshaun Watson. Now, Brian, where my issue with Martinez ranking is, and I don't know what you thought of this pick, but my issue is the Texans keep talking about versatility at all these positions. But at offensive line, I don't want somebody that's mediocre at three different positions, but not really good at any of them. And some of these guys that they're bringing in, that's what they are. They're mediocre at several different positions. And that's fine if you're just getting backups, but you got to get guys that are able to start and can start for long periods of time and can protect Deshaun Watson. And that's the biggest concern that we have right now. And that's my concern with Martinez Rankin. It sounds like 
if I would were to look at all of the evaluations, he's probably best fit at guard, but where the Texans could really use somebody is at tackle. And I'm worried about a guy that has some issues and hasn't done, you know, any sort of consistent good work as a pass protecting tackle. And I think that's exactly where they see him. They see him as the left tackle. They see him as the starting left tackle, even though they're not willing to say that. Yeah, and and just with his in the draft community, um, he's not thought highly of uh, in his tackling abilities. You know, playing that particular position. I mean, his strongest suit is at guard, and pretty much those positions are solidified for uh, twenty eighteen with the guys we brought in uh, in free agency. Uh, but because of his versatility, they think they can train him to to be a tackle. Um, it, it, the jury's out if that's going to be his role. We may have no choice but to trot him out there, especially if we are going to be thin this season um, on the offensive line. If we don't get some of the, the guys that may still be hanging around, um, not only in the draft, but also in free agency, that could help out this offensive line uh, plenty. Um, it, as as far as yeah, his story, it's an amazing one. And, and what makes me think that I can believe in him to succeed is that this guy came out of the junior college range. See, he was lightly recruited. And then um, he had an explosive 2015 season with Mississippi Gulf Coast. And then he emerges, he emerges on the scene. Yeah, he had about four or five offers from very good schools like uh, you know, Florida, you know, uh, Ohio State and Ole Miss, they all were recruiting him. And then he ultimately decided to go with Mississippi State. And, uh, you know, from there, you know, he, you know, worked on flourishing himself and he got himself into the uh, NFL. Um, it, as far as how things are going to go for him at left tackle, um, I would just love to not have him experiment, have Brian Gain experiment with how he's going to do. I mean, I remember Brian Gaines saying that he wants guys in here to make an impact immediately. And obviously he thinks that uh, Matt Martinez is going to be able to go in and, and make that impact out on the offensive line, which, you know, I'm still, I, I'm not sure if I'm going to see that uh, this season. But um, he doesn't look like necessarily a plug-and-play guy, but we may have no choice but to do so. But he allowed 30 hurries, nine quarterback hits, eight sacks in his three-year career with Mississippi State. There were 1,035 snaps, so he did get a lot of time. Uh, but most of his snaps were run blocking. Run blocking is his strongest suit. Pass blocking, that's a different story, and that's something that, you know, of course, that he's going to have to work on. But uh, among the, the the grand scheme of things, you know, you've got a guy that you, you probably could have brought in. Um, he was ranked by Pro Football Focus a little bit higher than Chucks. You know, we talked about him, uh, Corfor. You know, we talked about him a couple of shows back. Um, it's interesting as to why they didn't select him because he was still available at that point. But obviously, they felt that uh, Martinez fit with the scheme um, a lot better, and that's why I wanted to know why didn't we get Chucks because. He would have been a lot better with his athleticism. Right. And and I don't go, I mean, I just, I'm not going to pretend to anybody that I'm like uh, looking at 5 million roll, rolls of film and uh, doing all this tape work on all these different guys. Uh, you know, my big takeaway is just the stuff that I read about him and that's what you go on and he can still improve, obviously. I mean, that's what we don't know. I mean, he's played some at tackle. He hasn't played a long time at tackle. He hasn't played a long time necessarily at any particular position. So 
they're the ceiling is higher. It's not that it, I, I don't like this pick. I just I guess my bigger concern, Brian, is the Texans look at the offensive lineman as we're just gonna we want guys that can play at each one of the different positions. Well, a lot of times th- there are certain attributes that you have as an offensive lineman that fit perfectly for a specific position, which makes you great for that position. It may not make you great for another position. It might make you a great guard, not a great tackle. Might make you a great center, not a great guard. And when the Texans talk about this, you know, they beat in this idea of versatility. Um, I understand it when it comes to certain positions, when it comes to certain areas of the football team. We talk about what's going on with special teams over the years, and there wasn't guys that could, you know, have the versatility to play that and play a, 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 pos- a regular position on the field at times, or they weren't good at both things. But I guess my concern is when you're the Texans and you're looking at this this type of thing and not getting a guy that's going to excel at any particular position, you're setting yourself up for what I think is probably a mediocre offensive line. That's the ceiling that you have. And I think maybe the one of the reasons the Texans are are doing it this way and they're, they're talking about versatility, Brian. And I don't know what you think about this, but I think maybe they go into this with the idea that if we lose an offensive lineman, you know, we got guys that can play different positions and we're going to account for injuries. We're going to account for free agency. And we don't think making that huge investment in the offensive line is the way to go long-term with the NFL team. We would rather make the big investments in quarterback and defensive and pass rushers, cornerbacks, maybe uh, wide receivers, but we're not willing to do that on the offensive line. It's an interesting philosophy. I don't necessarily think it's the wrong philosophy, but it leaves you with a certain ceiling. I think with your offensive line that you can't be great as an offensive line. If they're just supposed to be really good at a lot of different positions or maybe even just mediocre. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, and it, and it kind of reminds me of when your resources are limited, like, you know, when you're running out of uh, bread, you know, up in the cupboard, and you try your best to spread your resources, so that way, you know, like if you're making yourself a lunch and you're running out of uh, resources there uh, with your with your bread, and you make that one sandwich, or you fold uh, the slice of bread, so that way you have that other slice available, so it's, it's just that situation where, you know, it, it, you, you, you want to have every piece of resource to go out there and make sure the unit is best as possible. I honestly think that a huge investment in this unit is the way to go. Um, And I I hate to mention that team's name up north, but the Dallas Cowboys, they did so. They did it over several years. They made small investments to beef up that offensive line to what it is uh, today. And now it just seems like we're, we're starting to piecemeal again. And, you know, you, you get into trouble when you get into that situation. So um, I'm not necessarily a fan of this this new, you know, type of uh, environment in terms of how to build that offensive line. But you go in and you get the best guys in there that can play at those positions. And then you go from there and you develop. Now, that's going to be on Mike Devlin because, you know, this is going to be a big season for him because he's one of the few holdovers from that 2014 staff. Yeah, good luck, Mike Devlin, with that. You got your work cut out for yeah. you for sure. Uh, one more pick to look at for the Texans. But first, quick reminder, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. As we always remind you, email us at LockedOnTexans at mail.com. If you forget any of it, just go to the show, show description of each podcast. 
Also, we're looking for contributors to our website, LockedOnTexans.com. And, hey, go to our website because we're going to be profiling these picks. Our contributors, guys like Cam Radler and Jack Perotti and Jordan Brown are going to be putting up profiles of these draft picks as they come in. Also, if you're interested uh, in, in being a contributor, let us know. I'll, and when you're done listening to the podcast, this podcast, or any of them for that matter, just take a few seconds, rate us on iTunes, make write a little review, just something real short. Um, haven't seen a bunch of reviews recently, so put up a review, and we're certainly going to read that on our show. The last pick of the third round, the last pick of day two of the NFL draft for the Texans, Jordan Aikens, a 26-year-old tight end. Let's hear what Bill O'Brien had to say about the old man of the Texans draft picks, Jordan Aikens. We had Jordan in the uh, Senior Bowl, and I thought, you know, like I've said before, you don't want to be coaching the Senior Bowl too many times, but to to have the opportunity to coach in the Senior Bowl, we were able to see a lot of players, you know, and, and our coaches were able to coach them. Brian and I were able to talk about those guys, interview them, and Jordan was a guy that really – uh, came across very well, uh, both as a, you know, obviously as a person and then as a player on the field. Good work ethic, uh, good ability in the passing game. So we were, we were uh, excited to be able to have a chance to draft him. So, Brian, this was a guy that the Texans fell in love at the Senior Bowl. And it concerns me a little bit because the guys at the Senior Bowl, not necessarily the best guys that are, are in that draft class. Uh, but uh, the senior bowl is still good to be at because you can find guys that you get, you know, you kind of like a little bit more later in the round, but at the end of the third round to fall in love with the guy that I didn't see ranked tremendously high at all. Some places he was a seventh round pick. This is a 26 year old tight end, a guy that's played baseball. He's played against Carl Crawford and you Darvish uh, interesting background for Jordan Akins, Brian, uh, what did you think of this pick? I love it. I love the pick. And um, and you can see what – and, and you, you, I know there are draft analysts out the wazoo saying, you know, he would be – he could possibly go undrafted. But um, obviously the Texas see something in him. I just like all of his uh, attributes. I mean, um, as far as his yards per route, pro football focuses – Pro Football Focus has him ranked third among draft eligible tight ends with 1.3, 1.93 yards uh, per route. One of the key things that I noticed is that um, he dropped only 10 of 93 catchable targets in his career. He only dropped 10 passes after being targeted at many times. That is good. He gets up to his speed very quickly. He's, you know, with, with the athleticism that he has. And then, like you said, he, he's played baseball. I mean, the guy has done it all. Yes, we could talk about his age, but I think he still uh, can contribute at a high level. He's 6'3", 249 pounds. That's sizable enough. I mean, he's no C.J. Fedorowicz, but I think he he's going to be a lot faster um, than C.J. Fedorowicz. Um, his run blocking is, is very, very solid. Uh, pass blocking. Uh, that's that's certainly a different story. That's not where his strong suit is. But again, you take the guy that feel that you feel is going to be in the best skill set of the system that you're going to be running uh, on offense. And I certainly um, I, I'm looking forward to seeing how this pick pans out uh, with the Houston Texans. Um, there are you know, some considerable uh, talents that have come out of uh, Central Florida. Um, as of late, we did draft what Rashard Kliat, you know, back a couple of seasons ago. Um, he didn't 
quite pan out. But I think Jordan Aikens could really uh, make something uh, in his career, especially with his offense. I'm not sure yeah, so far as across the league, um, his value, but he may have value to the Houston Texans because we do things a little bit differently. Um, by the way, his pro football focus grade for 2017, um, if, if he was graded as an NFL tight end, it was an 84.8. So doesn't get much better than that. Um, so, you know, they are in the athletic conference and the athletic conference does have some competition, but it's no SEC. It's no Big 12. But um, I, I, I would certainly give the Texas the benefit of the doubt on this one in hopes that this guy uh, will actually pan out to be what they want him to be. Hey, 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 wait a second. Wait a second. You're talking about Central Florida. What's their history? How have they done in the NFL? Aren't you missing somebody? Blake Bortles? <laughs> no, no, no. You're missing somebody uh, just uh, out on Kirby. It was playing on Kirby. Uh, <laughs> it, it, he guy named A.J. Boye worked out pretty well for the yeah, Texans. Yeah, he did out of central Florida. So yeah, no, I mean, uh, yeah, that, I, I don't care where, what school they come out of. Doesn't matter. We've seen in the NFL, it, it basically is meaningless, yeah. uh, as far as which school they come out of. Unless they come out of Alabama. <laughs> yeah. Well, Bama's hit and miss, you know, it's, it's not always, it's not always great. It's hit and miss, hit and miss, uh, just like a lot of schools can be, but let, let me just get into Jordan Akins for a little bit. Now, again, not highly ranked, but explosive down the field. A lot of the numbers show that uh, he's a guy that's going to catch the ball far, far down the field. Our guy with LockedOnTexans.com, our cor- correspondent Jordan Brown, made sure to text me uh, just a few minutes ago that this guy did not drop a pass. Uh, I like that. He likes that. I like that. Texans fans will like that. He did not drop a pass. So this guy is primarily a pass catcher. He is not a good blocker. When Br- Bill O'Brien was asked about him as a blocker, he kind of well, he mumbled all past it, and we didn't want to really talk much about his blocking ability. I mean, you could tell because it's not good. And, and, and that is my big concern with the Texans and what they're doing at tight end. Now, this is their philosophy from what I'm starting to see. I don't think they care as much about finding a blocker anymore the C.J. Fedorowicz days uh, are over with. The Owen Daniels days are over with. Guys that could do both. I think you would love to have one, but it's a luxury. It's tremendously hard to find those guys, Brian, these days in college football because nobody comes from the pro set. That's why I was a, a, a fan of this Dalton Schultz out of Stanford because he comes from a pro set. There's been some success out there with that. But what do they talk about? Longer Stronger. Uh, stronger, faster, and faster and uh, as what this guy is. He's, he's going to be faster. He's going to bring you some athleticism. He's a guy that can catch the football. What I don't want to see from the Texans anymore is uh, now reporting tackle eligible Kendall Lamb. Ugh, no, thank you. No, I'm done. I'm don't done bring him back. Kendall don't Lamb bring is. him back. We don't need to bring him back. I don't. I don't think we need Kendall Lamb. Don't don't bring back the tackle eligible. Let's just put it somebody out there that can catch a pass because all the tackle eligible guy does is clog everything up. It doesn't give you a whole lot of options to go with. Even if your tight end can't, can't is not a good blocker, just get in front of somebody. Just stand there. You know, if you have to, if there's blocking that involves, just get. Put your body between where the play's going on and 
the defender. I mean, that's all you ask for. And so if that's all you want from your tight end, if that's all you're expecting, then this is what you're going to get from this guy. You know, if you want basically Kevin Walter, but with a little bit more size, that's what they're going to get. But unlike Kevin Walter, maybe a little bit more explosiveness, maybe can cause some mismatches, maybe can do some things in the red zone that we haven't seen a ton from the tight ends. Fedorowicz uh, showed some, showed a little bit here and there that he could do that. But uh, yeah, if, I think at first I was down on this pick because I want that tight end that can do everything. But when it's all said and done, maybe I'm just asking too mm-hmm. much. So in the end, Brian, Texans get three picks uh, in the third round. All, all positions of need, I think. Safety, tight end, of course, offensive line. Uh, what would you put a grade on this on this uh, third round? What do you think? C plus. It's a little bit above passing. Uh, not any more than that. Uh, it's there's just a lot of unknowns with these guys, but you know they they do address the positions on paper. But we got to see how this plays out in the season. But it passes. I mean, I, I didn't pay too much attention to what the other te- teams were picking. But there was nobody out there that you went, oh, my God, why did the Texans pass up that guy? Like, wasn't an obvious one of those guys, right? No, no, I, I, I don't uh, feel that way either. I mean, you had mentioned Dalton Schultz, which I don't believe he has been picked yet as at this time of our recording. So I was thinking maybe he would be a nice fit. But they're looking for versatility. They're not just looking for a tight end. They're looking for a tight end that can can do more than one thing. And you, you possibly could put – Aikens uh, on special teams, for example, uh, with, you know, his abilities. So, you know, you, you look for all of that. But uh, no, not really a guy that that we had to have and that we we totally missed up, missed out on. So um, that's where we're at. Okay, now the next day, day two, and people might be listening to this and, and, and that day two might have happened. But uh, you can tell me I'm an idiot when you're listening to this and the, and the drafts already happened. I'm going to make a prediction. Uh, the Texans are going to pick a running back in day two. Uh, kind of went under the radar. We missed it. It fell through our fingertips over the last few days. But Aaron Wilson made a prediction that Deontay Foreman was going to start the year on the pup list. When Aaron Wilson makes a prediction like that, usually he's got some sort of insight into it. Notice that uh, if you were following Twitter, Aaron Wilson was calling out the picks before you were seeing them on your television set. So Aaron Wilson, he's got some good insight with the Houston Chronicle. He knows his stuff. And, uh, you know, that, that, that to me uh, means that, yeah, the Texans need to zero in on a running back because if Deontay Foreman's not starting the year and it's only Lamar Miller, they need somebody else. They still haven't re-signed Alfred Blue. So keep that in mind. We're going to have – Day two or day three coverage, day two for the Texans, day three coverage uh, on the draft in the next couple of days. We're going to bring to you what happened in the fourth round, the sixth round, three picks in the sixth round, and in the seventh round. So still, uh, four, is it four picks to go still, Brian? Is that right? Five. Yeah, we've got five. To go. five is it we've five? got eight. So we, yeah, here yeah. we go. So uh, for fourth round, no fifth rounders. We got three sixth and one seventh. So yeah, five five picks you to go. It. That's that's uh. <laughs> That's what they've got left, and uh, we're going to bring it to you. Uh, remember, Brian's got everything also covered on House of Houston, uh, Fanside Affiliate, HouseofHouston.com. Houston Sports Talk is my podcast. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe if you haven't already. If you want to 
hear about a little Astros talk, a little Rockets talk. It's all right there. That's all we got for this one. Uh, thanks for joining us, and we'll talk to you again really, really soon. You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You know